You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Lacrosse Boots. Now, if you haven't heard yet, uh, this is me telling you, you need to take a look at the new boots from Lacrosse, and they fall under the Navigator series. Now, what they've done is they've taken the best parts of a rubber boot and the best parts of your traditional hiking and hunting boot, and they've mashed them together to come up with this new line of boots from lacrosse and that is the navigator series now they have the women's windrows they have the men's windrows and then they have the atlas the atlas series within that as well so go to lacrossefootwear.com and check out this new line of boots that they have i've been using mine for a couple weeks now and i am very impressed with the the fit and the feel and i can't wait to get them in the woods this hunting season and uh, give them a trial run so lacrossefootwear.com check them out hey guys welcome to land and legacy podcast this is your host adam keith we're co-owners of a consulting company called, go figure, Land and Legacy. This is your number one podcast resource for all things land. Each week we're breaking down topics from land management, habitat management, conservation, farming practices, and real estate. We hope you guys enjoy it. Hey guys, welcome back. Adam here. Matt's here. And uh, thanks for coming on for another Line of Legacy podcast powered by Stratton Seed Company out of Arkansas. Absolutely. Man, we were <clears throat> pumped and ready for season. For sure. A- absolutely. I'm, I'm just making sure we got all our notes here and everything. Um, super exciting. You know, it's it's September now, which is un- unbelievable. Um, we already past Labor Day. Past Labor Day, staring deer season. Right? It's nice. it's just crazy, and I people used to say it to me all the time. When you have kids, it just goes so much faster. Didn't really it was like I don't know how that really makes sense, but it's unbelievable how much faster time goes now. And uh, deer season, it's like turkey season just ended. I feel like I was watching that video, and and nobody's seen it yet, but I was watching that video just. It seemed like last week of uh, right. the turkey I killed on Easter morning. The wrap up, and <laughs> here we are, and it's like, oh, we're getting things ready. I mean, we got our camera gear ready um, for deer season. Yep. It's it's just crazy. Shoot, we were probably a year ago we were en route to Nebraska, or we were yeah. in Nebraska. Uh, what's the? Yeah, yeah, probably we're in route or, or quickly get. We had high hopes. Ready. 
<laughs> didn't take long for those to change. Oh man, <sighs> that was that was a learning experience. Yeah. We'll say that. But so I guess a a humbling moment as well to, to all those guys who have done it and been extremely successful doing it. Um, man, that was it was fun. I don't like being frustrated, but honestly, I I should have known better that it was going to be that big of a, a learning curve and change out there from what we're used to. Absolutely. Um, for sure. So with deer season coming up, we wanted to devote an entire podcast to things to prepare for. I don't even know. Mindset on the season. I, there's basically like three main like subject-ish points that we kind of want to cover. Yes. Uh, like, what 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 season should be like, the mindset you should have. Yes what you should be looking for and trying to learn, and then things to remember day in and day out about the season. Yes. Um, it, some will probably come as a shock, and and but like I don't want to have it have it be like a gut check, but honestly, but like a hey, this is this is a, a priority where where our, all of our minds should be at, um, you know, and what we're looking to gain from season. Yes. I mean, how many how many times is like there's so there's so much anticipation across everyone's schedule and all the content, let's say that's out there of season, 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 um, and we're guilty of itself about talking about you know these deer that we're targeting this and that. But if we don't slow down and talk about this and cover what we're going to cover in this podcast, gosh, we're we're foolish and 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 we need to have ourselves almost a, a check on on reality of season and what it shouldn't entail. Yes, absolutely. Um, so, deer season's coming up, and it's a time to start priming our brain and our mind on things to prepare for uh, and and getting ourselves in check. How many guys have been shooting their bows preparing for deer season? Almost all of us. I can't raise my hand. <laughs> I know you can't either. <laughs> it sounds bad, but we'll get there, I promise. Yeah, Um and then how many guys have been going through trail cameras and getting everything, uh, building their hit list? We we covered our hit list on yeah. a couple podcasts ago. But there's an important side of it that that's not talked about a lot. But there should be a preparation. It's almost like a spiritual hit list. Yeah, things that, that – hunting season shouldn't just bring the ability to put more deer on the wall. And I, you're going to hear us say that throughout f- this podcast and future podcasts. Like, we're not the purpose of hunting season in our mind isn't to another ability to to use up some more wall space. Yeah, because they don't go on the wall; they go in the garage yeah. <laughs> in my house. I don't know about y'all. Yeah. Well, when the cabin gets built, that's where <laughs> mine will go. Um, but it it should not come as a Okay, this is my chance. I've got to hit a hit lister. It's a it's a time to recharge too. Um, season consulting season is crazy busy. Then you go Super into the crazy. summer and it's crazy busy. And it's been crazy busy uh, for a lot of different things here lately with trying to continue to build a store and other parts of our business and real estate. Hunting season is almost like a <sighs> gather some thoughts. Uh, uh, yes, and. It should also be a chance to recharge our batteries. And I, we see this time and time again. Hunting season brings major frustration. Frustration and stress. Like, 
that's what I don't quite understand of like stress of like a performance that falls like directly on someone's shoulders. It's like, I got to kill a good deer. I got to kill a good deer. So-and-so killed a good deer and I've got to kill one now or people are going to think I'm a bad hunter. I got to, I got to answer that harvest with this harvest and, and, and whatnot. It's like, I, I, I don't, I don't think I, I I could honestly say I've never felt that stress or that desire to just go and kill something. I love hunting and I love being successful. I love hunting. I love looking at these deer and, and saying, yes, that's a target buck. Like I can't lie. I'm not going to lie about it because I do. But the also, also my mind is split and it's like I also have these objectives of like time spent just outdoors and thinking in a stand of, I can't wait to just experience whatever it is, like the the sunrise, that uh, a, a mindset, a motivation, whatever that God wants to share. Like I'm just sitting there thinking, hmm, this is a fun morning. Like that's the thing I don't get. Like everyone, I, I don't care if if you've if you've had a successful season. Like last year, we were both we both killed deer. That was yep. fantastic. But we hardly hunted. But I would still look back and say, even if we hadn't killed those deer. That was a fun season. Like some of those mornings, some of those experiences in a tree stand were awesome. Seeing yep. what deer do, watching fall, watching the leaves. Uh, like I'm not trying to be weird at all, but it's like that that has an impact on all of us. If if we devoted every season the success or failure of it on a harvest, it'd most be a failure. People, most people would fail every single year. But yeah. it's like but you go and you pull those And I'm not talking about a failure of in not not harvesting yeah, yeah. bigger grand scheme of things. Correct. It's a failure because you missed the point. Exactly. And it's like, but if we go and harvest, I mean, if we go and pull a lot of people, like still some people will come to you and say, yeah, you know, it, 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 was, a, it was a bad season harvest-wise, but I still enjoyed my time out there. I don't think we've ever like sat back and say like, why do you enjoy your time out there if, if let's say you weren't, you weren't successful? And most people can't, put into words why that is yeah like okay like like explain hunting to my wife let's say like doesn't quite have that same draw to the outdoors that i do and pull these experiences and just like that time to sit back and be quiet it's like doesn't quite understand what all that does and just the the peace it brings and the low stress environment but it's like i just enjoy sitting there but most people can't quantify why it is. Mm-hmm. But like they'll go to the woods and sit there and, and be in that stress-free environment, but not necessarily make that, let's say, connection to why they feel that way. Like yeah, it's, it's not. And sometimes it's not even stress-free. Like it's it's a bad scenario if if you carry that stress with you. You carry the work of st- the 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 stress of work. And you go into a tree stand and you add the stress of must harvest something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or it just compounded at that point. Yes. And and I think it's definitely crucial. And don't worry, guys, we are gonna get into habitat too. Um but we gotta address this though. We got But to. it's if you carry the stress of work to the tree stand, that's your time to try to unpack that stress and relax and recharge. And that should be a message that we convey to our wives, to our families of uh, this is a good chance to become stress, a little bit less stressed. Uh, this is our chance to feel recharged. 
if you carry the stress of not harvesting an animal or not being successful, and, and I put that in air quotes, back home and you bring stress, that's that's where you're going to start having a negative a negative response with your family about you hunting. Certainly. You You want your family to appreciate the ability for you to go hunting. That way you come home recharged. Restored. And restored and ready to be a good father, to be a good a good husband, you should not bring the negative of a bad shot or a missed opportunity back home and release that upon your family. Um, that 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 can be a huge problem. And then if if that continues, you're going to see a negative effect from your wife of uh, or family not wanting you to go hunting, mm-hmm. and that can be a huge problem. We see it a lot. We hear it a lot. Uh-huh. Um, and, and truthfully, we've done that. We've I've done yeah. that. And and uh, yeah. so we're not preaching uh, at you saying, saying that, that we're good at it. <laughs> yeah, but this is something that a yeah, mindset that we put ourselves in, in, uh, and 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 kind of an experience to where you need to, that we all need to do better. Yeah, we're not. It's not a question. It, hunting season isn't about like I said earlier putting another deer on the wall at the end of our life it's not going to be hey I put 20 deer on the wall that's not going to amount to nothing no it's going to come down to were you a good dad were you a good husband were you a good um, builder of the kingdom and uh, were you were you a good man and so many times we focus on the wrong thing and hunting it's really easy to focus on the harvest being the goal. The goal is not the harvest. Like h- how many times times do we do we log a hunt during a year? Maybe let's say let's just say the average is fifteen hunts a year. We have one, two. I'm just saying uh, we're throwing out averages here. One or two hunts that is is a successful hunt from yeah. a harvesting standpoint. But what happened? What happened to all that additional time? Those thirteen other hunts that you had. Tell me you didn't gain something or or you know in your mind or in your experiences. Like I wholeheartedly feel that creation, the outdoors, was created for a way for God to speak to us. And if we don't utilize those other times in the woods and consider like having that mindset going in that, hey, I'm going to sit back and I'm just going to I'm going to listen. I'm just going to be quiet. I'm just going to enjoy this. Like if we don't take things away from those 13 other, say, hunts, time outdoors, we wasted that. Yeah, totally. Waste that caused more conflict in our home whatever it is um i've heard this sermon preached so many times of good stuff in good stuff out mm-hmm. um what you take in is what comes out reflection yep. and so with hunting if it's a stress going in to must kill must harvest must perform you stress comes out <laughs> and so when yep. we go to the tree stands blinds ground pursuit this fall in a hunting scenario it's a time to exhale breathe exhale breathe in clean air clean thoughts restore ourselves. this is a chance to reduce stress to recharge our batteries and then to take that home to become a more tolerable more enjoyable person in our home, be yep. a better leader in our home, be a better um, thermostat yeah. is the word. Uh, to me, I think of, I don't remember where I read it, but 
as the father. So you, you fathers, you dads, you husbands that are listening, you're the thermostat for your home. If you are heated, you heat the rest of the people around you. Mm -hmm. If you are a comfortable temperature, everyone is comfortable around you. And so it's our responsibility to become better thermostats in our homes. And we can use hunting as a great way to charge ourselves up and be better people. Just like everything else, it has to be used appropriately. And if you don't prepare yourself for the mindset of going into a season, that's what we're talking about today, then it can be a bad thing like we're just talking about. So you have to go in with the right mindset of, of knowing what you want to get out of a hunting season. Beyond Take away harvesting, take away all the gear, everything. If you just go and sit in the woods, like people love to go hike. They don't, they don't carry a firearm or something like that, but why do they like to hike? They just like being outdoors because that's a way that you can recharge and use this time. Even even on a successful hunt, how many encounters do we have that are, let's say, a minute or two minutes tops, yet we're in the woods for hours and hours and hours? Like It's such a small window of our time and experiences outside. We better be getting something else out of that time. And again, this is this is where to me the rubber meets the road of if you can sit back and just enjoy these these mornings these evenings fall is such an incredible gorgeous time we're blessed as hunters to be able to experience everything that happens during the fall and spring during turkey season and just the the magicalness i think of creation like i i just sit there i don't know almost in like wonder of how, how did this all like people are out there thinking that this just randomly happened. Like all these events of like acorns falling, leaves falling, following trees. Every single fall, yeah, they fall. Time, they do frosts. that. Every single autumn or fall, birds like ducks and geese mm-hmm. get up Migration. from the north and migrate south. Every fall, bucks are chasing does. Every, like, just, just think of like the, the, the cycle that a buck goes through from growing antlers to shedding antlers to velvet to shed, you know, every single thing. You know how dynamic that is? It goes into their testosterone levels and their uh, different right, glands. And right their now they're like, shedding just, velvet. Tell me, tell you cannot tell me if you sit back and think about it, that that just like is a random thing. Like you can't go into the woods and sit there and experience nature in and around. You're just, you're just observing it. It's just, you're, encompassed by it you can't tell me that that's just like accidental like, yeah it's just it's wild there that's why it's so complex we talk about diversity we talk about all these different things not just because we think it's important that's the way nature is but because it has a, a deeper better meaning and if we understand it we can understand the complexity and just how incredible god really is and that that's what yeah. he wants to share with you in the I woods i want to make one more thing before we move to the next line but we get to see a well two line two two things um we get to see god's masterpiece every single time we sit in a tree stand every sunrise every sunset every sunrise Woo. every sunset god did that not mother nature yeah um he designed that and he's showing his full power right in front of our very eyes and we get to sit back and see that show see that movie see that performance every day you're in the woods and some days are way more colorful than the others, but every single time it's a it's a gift to get to see that. And so it's a good time to not get consumed by 
the art, the the act of one little brown colored animal, mm-hmm. but a full full performance of everything else that's going on in front of us. Because it's not, not only just that, but we get to see this in how many other countries in the in the world would you get to experience something like this? I already won the lottery. I was born in the U.S. of A., baby. <laughs> yeah. um, and Bow in my hand. <laughs> and so this is a great opportunity as we're getting ready for deer season to think about all these things and and put our mind in a in a time. I'm going to share a story with you, Matt. I didn't realize I'd with do me this. Or yep. With me? With the audience, too. I don't think <laughs> I th- you I know think, this. I think they're listening. <laughs> um, maybe. Um, I didn't realize I did this, but it's it's funny. Um, now I do it purposely, but I was doing it subconsciously just of, of, of every time I was going to the farm, um, you know, we go to the farm, it depends on the week, but we don't get to see it a lot during the spring when we're working, but we go to the farm quite a bit during the summer months as we try to catch up on work that we didn't get to do during the, or during the spring. But I've, I would call my wife while I was at the farm and I'd be like, Hey, just, how are you guys doing? I love you guys. Thank you so much for letting me come down here and do this. Mm-hmm. Had no idea what I was doing. And she goes, boy, you try to make yourself seem like you're in a really good mood when you go to the farm, <laughs> don't you? And I'm like, what? She goes, every time you go yeah. to the farm, you come home and you're like, ooh, ooh, ooh. I'm like, I had no idea I was doing that. And now I well, do it that's to where she has a great, uh, a, a better mindset really? for the farm than, um, so that's one good thing I do. Here's the bad thing I do with it. When I come home, I still think mentally I'm at your, the farm. Your mind's there. And I've really, I mean, man, I just, I'm, I'm going to pull the hammer out and smash my toes. That's a horrible habit that I have to where I sit here and like I daydream about guilty of it. things that I need to do at the farm to where I don't perform on things I need to do here at You're home. You're not present where you're present. Yes. I'm, it, I, everyone everyone is, <laughs> is guilty of that. It's so easy to do. But I think I think what what we're basically trying to say is, be present. In the tree, like put the phone away. Mm-hmm. Look at what's happening around you. Know know why it's happening around you, and that's going to allow you to be a a one a better hunter, better woodsman, all that you know, cool, great, grand. Let's allow you to just soak it in, and there will be a piece that just comes over you if you have that right mindset and you're not distracted you're not just focused solely on tagging a buck you're you're focused on honestly yourself truthfully it's not a selfish thing to take time for yourself if you're doing it for the right reasons and allow that um, understanding and that grace that is out there just waiting for us to just honestly soak it in that's why nature the outdoors whether you're fishing doesn't matter what you're doing outdoors it's just an enjoyable experience being out there. And I think we can all sit back and, and take some time prior to season opening. Hopefully it catches people. I know, shoot, Wyoming's open, North Dakota, Kentucky's about to. Places are already opening up, but hopefully this catches everyone and just allows you to slow down and think about it and get your mindset for season to be able to have a successful one outside of, of harvest. We wish you the best of luck on that, but this as well, because it's I'm gonna give even you guys, more I'm important. I'm going to call to action more and challenge important. to you guys. Matt said, put the phone away. I'm going to tell you to get the phone out during this portion of that. Download the version Bible app. Mm-hmm. Read the verse of the day and then reflect on that while you're sitting there thinking and, and exhaling and 
and just trying to live in the moment. And uh, I think that's a great thing you can do while you're out there. Um, there certain there shouldn't be distractions when you're when you're sitting there. And I will say this, and I, I've been guilty of thinking that it does, but of like replacing the 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 church pew. That tree stand doesn't do it. Yeah. But there doesn't mean that you can't still get close to God by being in a tree stand, being in the woods, and taking that time to reflect and be there in your mindset. For sure. All right. Let's pivot. Moving. On. There's a little bit of a thing here. Um, whenever it comes to in the tree stand, and we've talked about the mindset, but when it comes to the habitat and comes to the year of of managing the land, there are so many things that you can learn during hunting season um, that you can then you can sit there and observe for the course of however many months hunting season is and however many sets you're in a tree stand or how how many things you can observe by walking and driving through the property. You can take all that information because I think when it comes to land management, a lot of us would say it's for we manage the land so we can be we can have more enjoyable sets during hunting season. There's so many things you can learn in the process of hunting season that then you can take and improve on it during the off season. And so hunting season from whether it be August through January, you can sit back and figure out things that can make you a much better land manager or steward of the land throughout the regular, uh, throughout the off season. So while you're sitting there, notice the attractions, notice the things that deer are drawn to, um, learn upon that. So if you're sitting in a food plot and you notice that deer are coming out in a one portion of the food plot and you're like, why do they always come from that area? Figure out why they're coming from that area or take that I would encourage you to take a notepad if you're if you can't remember these things while you're in a tree stand. Take a notepad and write them all down when the, when the hunt's over of what it was that you know in Rocky Top food plot or Ruby Ridge food plot. Those are just a couple of names of the food plots we have. Deer always come from the southwest. Well, once season close, go into that food plot, walk to the southwest, and figure out what it is that they're coming from. There's a a resource there. There's a reason. It might be um, more sunlight, better cover, more uh, topography, the wind swirls, whatever it is. There's a reason they're there. Figure it out and then take that. Learn Build from upon it. that. Yeah. Maybe you can find another place on the property. You know of another place that's just like that um, where you can experience the same type of success. You, what, what's one of the uh, – whenever we're consulting, we're going around touring these properties with people – what the biggest one of the biggest questions is when we get to a new place is okay well what do you observe here like tell me what you see happening here nine times out of ten most times I'm gonna say I have a really good idea when we show up of like okay I can I can see this kind of happening you know this is probably why but I'm not saying I want I want that client to verbalize what it is that they see so they're basically from opening to close of season discussing and you know that they're observing things, let's say appropriately from this stand because that dictates what you're going to do, what the recommendations are based on how deer are naturally traveling or not traveling through a certain area. We definitely want to build upon what the deer do naturally. 
hundred percent. I posted this week uh, on our social media handles um, uh, a picture of a deer, uh, a really nice ten pointer that we have on the Prairie Hollow property, checking a scrape, a mock scrape that we had set up, and. We got to ask the question, when do you start putting out mock scrapes or when do you start monitoring scrapes and, and, and where do you put them? Do you like vines versus scrape limbs or, or licking branches better? There was, it was a kind of a back and forth conversation and it really comes down to, we don't want to try to make the deer do something that they're not already kind of doing. Oh yeah. Yeah. We could put up a, a vine or a mock or a licking branch mock scrape in a portion of a field that the deer don't ever go to, and we might not have very good activity, even though it may be the best mock scrape we've ever created. Um, we may only, um, we may have very limited results, but we may go to a portion of a food plot that deer, it's like the first place they come to, they they're enter the food plot, and it may be a junky little licking branch that they hammer and use from September to February. And it may just be because of the location. We may, so what we want to do is build upon what the deer already somewhat do. They may come into this food plot, yeah, a few nights out of the week, but they always come from the southeast. Well, let's go ahead and build upon that. That's why we ask our clients, what do they do? Because we want to build upon that. Let's add a bedding area inside that timber where they're coming from, make it more of an attraction, a more of attractive bedding area. Let's use some edge feathering, whether it's closed or open, to make our pathway in better. Let's plant some natives around to screen ourselves to where we can get in and capitalize on that pattern. Let's not try to make them do something that they're not comfortable doing. You want to basically, anything that you're you're doing on the property is to complement the natural travel corridors, the behavior that deer are doing. They're doing it most likely because of security reasons. And yeah. if you if you in, um, increase the amount of security uh, and, and try to not force them in an area that they don't want to go, they've obviously chosen this path because of, again, topography, the way the wind swirls, that's the safest route for them to get from A to Z. Let's just enhance that. And then if it's even more secure, they're probably going to do it more times and probably going to do it more times during daylight hours. That's right. That's the whole purpose of, of understanding what's happening on a property is let's take what, what we know happens and then let's multiply it exponentially so they do it more and more and more and more. You hunt patterns of deer. You hunt them because they're consistent. If you make this travel corridor more consistent, you will be more consistent as a hunter. It's not hard, but we just have to be observant and write this stuff down. Remember, while while the deer are doing it, while you're in there, you know, you don't go out really in, in the springtime and sit there and watch fields and observe deer. You don't do that. You are in the moment, in the time, in the place that it matters during the fall to make some of these habitat recommendations and observations based on what deer are doing and what they're not doing too. Yes, and I think one thing, the Prairie Hollow property, there's so much to learn there, but um, one thing you will notice because it is in the Ozark Mountains, there's a lot of ridges with a lot of little saddles, and we've monitored those saddles over the years, and some of them are better saddles than others. There's about four right now in my head that's like a, a good deer will be utilizing that saddle. 
one of those saddles I think of is the uh, spot that we've hunted for years and years and years, and we call it the tree. Um, and it's kind of a combination of different pinch points and saddles and, and ridges. And we hunted it last year. Keith Hammer really hunted it last year. <laughs> yeah, we did. saw one of our best hitless, hitless bucks called Big Show um, in that saddle. And it's kind of, it's it's been a really good bottleneck because of naturally occurring terrain. Yep. This year, what we did was, and specifically Chad, because we were busy, he went in and did a couple of cuts, bedding thickets, on both sides of that saddle, creating an attraction on both sides. And, that will and cr- not necessarily right off the, the slope. No. Like these, these are spread out a couple hundred yards in each direction, but that doesn't matter. Again, it's a defining feature in this area. You're already using it. So you put those features, whether it's, again, we wouldn't do this, 100 yards off that saddle or 200 to 300, they're going to use that saddle that much more. That for sure. And so I'm excited to hunt that one, Ooh. monitor it yeah. this fall. Now, it's it, going to be a little bit different than it was last year. Last year it was really, really good because we had heavy acorn production. Yes. This year we don't have a lot of acorns other than our red oaks, so it may get better late season. Mm-hmm. We've got a great food plot up the hill with Ruby Ridge, and so uh, it could be a really, really awesome area to be, and uh, a, especially and late season. Another key thing that happened, and we did it based on the observation that Keith Hammer and you had with Big Show, is that deer, when he came up out of one of those draws to cross the saddle, he wanted to kind of come a little bit back behind the stand. And so there were some trees that were laid down, hinged over, and some laid down flat behind the stand to push the deer up in front of the stand so they would not come back behind. And some shooting lanes put in. (laughs) If he does come in that area again, we're ready to to capitalize. So those are the type of things that you have to be watching. And again, it took, what, five minutes to lay some trees over? But it's one of those things that, okay, it may make the, the big difference, the next encounter that occurs there. Um, in that saddle and you don't want to miss those things so make sure those observations are recorded and that you're just taking note of them because they're 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 easily missed but those those things that we often tend to overlook make the big difference the next couple years so and and that's like you know you can come in and, and make a well, we talked about honestly with with matt ross on on one of the podcasts is doing the taking a, a big wide brush across the, the property, making these large changes and bedding thickets and things like that. And that will increase the overall attractiveness of a property. But when you come in with that fine tooth comb or that, that fine detail brush on a property, that's when you really see things occurring and thus hunting strategies really extremely efficient and deer movement work really nicely on the property. I think, you know, when it comes to these observations, that's one of them. Put up trail cameras, monitor your trail cameras, and see kind of where the activity is. Is there saddles? Is there there, uh, end of food plots? Really observe, and and not just just observe food plots, but observe, like, uh, there's there's so many different things you can observe about about a deer's activities. Is is this food plot? And this is one of the biggest ones that I noticed. Is this food plot's great, but it seems like deer only get here after dark. Yeah. Well, that tells us they're bedding 
probably a long ways from here. Or the conditions are horrible to hunt. Or you guys it- have hunted the crap out of this spot <laughs> to where deer know don't go there till yeah. after dark when when Tom Dick or Harry climbs down out of his tree stand yep. and leaves. The, that's something. That's a sign that that tells us we need to do something to make deer feel more comfortable. There's a long list of things you can do to make this spot better. Make them feel more comfortable. If it's a two-acre food plot, break that thing up. Add some cover to it. Add some, add some strips out in the middle of, Different whether it be an things. annual screen or an 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 annual food plot that's going to get tall and break it up to where deer feel more comfortable. Plant the outside perimeter in a in an edge blend of of native grasses and forbs to where you've got some height to where deer feel comfortable coming out into it. Edge feather the field. Mm-hmm. Then not only that, go back in the woods. Let's say let's let's uh, let's play a little bit scenario here and say it's two acre food plot. Deer don't get here till after dark. Whenever the conditions are right and they do move during daylight, they're coming from the west. Okay. Well, let's look at an aerial image. Let's walk that during late season or, a- or after deer season. Uh, let's say you did that last year, like, oh, they're on the neighbors. Well, that's a sign to say, okay, come January, I'm going in there, I'm going to blow down, a, and I'm going to cut out a half acre, an acre area, and I'm going to make it a bedding area. Mm-hmm. Because I'm going to make a huge assumption here, but I feel pretty accurate in, in saying that, you know, we worked in, in two and a half years, we've covered almost 40,000 acres. We've seen a lot of ground, not not just in consulting, but real estate. I'd say there's a pretty good chance that just by adding that that clear cut, you're going to have probably better cover, better habitat than the surrounding area. There's a very good chance. <laughs> and so now you have the most attractive bedding area. We've seen a lot of good, but boy, we have seen a lot of bad habitat. There's a lot more bad than good. <laughs> and that's why this podcast has content every single that's week. Because there's exists. always something to talk about. Yeah. Um, so you, we made our bedding thicket. Now this winter, I'm going to go in and I'm going to plant my native, my native grasses and and Forbes around the perimeter, the f- the first five yards. Yes, you're losing acres of a food plot, but it's two acres, and the side doesn't grow that well anyway. But natives will. These plants but are designed natives to will do this. because they're perennials and they have a much better root system, and they're gonna and they're gonna do better. Plus, we're gonna edge feather, so we're gonna get trees, not so much. We're gonna get plants out from under that drip line. And we're going to build that edge. We're going to make a staircase with multiple steps. We're going to go from mature trees down to edge feather, young forest saplings, um, shrubs, to then perennial grasses and forbs down to food plot. That creates a better edge that deer are more comfortable using, and they're going to move during daylight hours better. If it's a two-acre field, let's say it's a rectangle shape, we're planting the center 10 yards and something like heritage blend or sedan grass or corn even to where deer feel better because they're more comfortable the and it breaks up that field where if they're you're on one side they're on the other you can grunt and they have to come looking for you here's here's the other thing i know there's probably someone out there thinking guys i have hunted this property for years i have or or i'm new to this property and i hunted all season long there was no consistency to anything like nothing, and it's like okay. That's every that's guy case, in Timber Country. Yeah. Okay, that's that's if that's your case, then you have to start the basics. You have to get that broad brush out, and you have to start painting these massive areas or larger areas of dense concentration of of early successional young forest, these bedding thickets. Because if you have zero consistency consistency on your 
deer patterns, it probably is meaning that you have random food sources, not defined food sources, and you have probably very poor cover around the whole property because they're betting wherever they want to. So that randomizes the activity or observations that you have. If that's the case, then you need to improve those features um, on a property. Make better cover. Offer different forages. Improve those forages. Know where those forages are throughout the entire uh, deer season. And you too will then find consistency or create consistency in deer movements to be able to observe and then work your way to those finer brush strokes on a property that we're talking about. I think one of the biggest problems and the biggest errors I've made in the past and I see being made is when you have inconsistent patterns, the first thing we do is add a food plot. Yeah. yeah. Well, that tells us a chance of where they're going. We still need to know where they're coming from. I, I want to fix the problem of knowing where they're coming from. And in our observations across the country, one of the biggest things is not knowing where deer are bedding. This is another question that we always ask. Quality cover, quality bedding, hand in hand. We're not talking about like a specific bed, though, either. We're talking no. about just a, a few acres in which you know that slope because of the cover that's there, not just because of an area, because the cover that's there, that's where the deer are bedding. How many times have we had in, in two years uh, a client call us or send us a text or make the comment that, man, I went back in, I went back in, I just had it this week from a client, Russell, Russell Kaiser down in South Carolina, tell me Tons. he did these bedding thickets and he's like, I'm no, it's, it's like magnets. And there's dirt trails. He sent me pictures. Dirt trails coming off the hill from the bedding thicket to the food plot. And he's like, it's unbelievable how much they're and, using and it. I think that that's important to note that that's in South Carolina. Well, deer range from obviously Missouri to South Carolina. But guess what? The need and the presence of, of young cover in those areas is applicable to deer in South Carolina and Missouri, the Midwest, the northern states, the southern states, the northeast. It does not matter Deer are deer, and yeah. it works. They need it's, it's, it. Don't overcomplicate stuff. Young, early successional cover and young forest will attract deer. They will yep. bed in it. They will yep. do it. I promise. I <laughs> I, uh, I want to shout out to Jay here. Um, we had a conversation on social media. One of our one of our listeners. Oh, Jay about, Darks about um, a lot of it. The I think he said something like, "The more he observes, or the the older he gets, the more he, th- he thinks luck is involved." And I'm like, "I'm gonna have to dispute that because it sounds really boastful." Knock on wood, but sometimes not not harvesting the animal. That that that's I'll, I'll draw the line Let's there. Let's just say being but in it the gets game. a lot easier at knowing what deer are doing when you manage the habitat in the way we're doing, because it it seems like sometimes it gets pretty easy to say, "Okay, here's 200 acres of." of closed canopy timber, bedding thicket there, bedding thicket there, here's a little food plot. Deer bed there in those bedding thickets, and they come to that food plot. Doesn't mean doesn't mean that you avoid the, all the other areas of the timber, but what you're saying is you're identifying point A and point B. You can get between it because there's this nice topography, terrain feature. That will kill deer. You will, you will That is a way to better hunt a place. But if you want to manage the whole thing, yes, we're going to do more. But if you want to just be successful... You can do that, walk away away from the property, not all you do that's all you do, and just hunt it. But here's the thing that makes hunting 
if you're because oh my gosh, how many how many times we talk about analysis of paralysis and people just overthinking deer in general, the number of motivating factors that make deer do what they do is honestly really small. Yeah. If you understand those few basics and understand how the habitat will relate to those basics, then you know what deer are going to be doing. You know where they're, they're at. When they're going to be doing it. And you get there and you put an arrow in them. It's, yeah. it's I, I don't. Don't overcomplicate golly, it. Golly, please don't. Please don't. Yeah. Because it's, it is that simple. Yes. If, if you have a very monoculture or a timber lot that's all the same and it's all closed canopy and you go in and you add these little changes that diversifying, adding young forest, adding some cover, that is easy. And my God, my goodness, deer use it. And then you start adding in other things to manipulate the deer travel. It gets a lot easier. Mm -hmm. Now killing the deer is not easy, but you better your chances to where does it, is it luck or is it that you did the work and you put the time in, and now you played the wind right. You made your chances of, of seeing that deer, having that deer in front of you better. Is it really luck now? To me, to me, if you have inconsistent patterns, inconsistent movement, not defined features on, on a property, yes, there's luck involved. It's a random chance that you're hunting at the right time, that the deer walks by, you guessed it right. Great, fantastic. I've been there, done that, had those opportunities. But there's a difference between, right, making the the conscious decision to improve these areas for better hunting and for better resources on a property and hunting it and watching that plan come together. That's not just random luck. That's, okay, intentionally going in and doing things and knowing that it will improve your hunting seeing it happen. It's... It's funny because it's like just just a minute ago we were talking about how things are so complex, all this stuff. It's like, in a nutshell, things are simple the way they are. But what drives those factors? It is very complex. But we can simplify the complexity and just say deer do this and deer do this, and they're going to do it these times. So we're going to make habitat good well, around it. I, I I'm not trying to downplay deer management. But deer are one of the easiest ones to manage compared to other oh by far uh, uh, other game species or non game species. Quail, it's turkey, a lot harder to manage for grouse, Ooh. quail, turkeys than it is deer. Woodcock, yeah. So well, th- let's think about uh, waterfowl. Holy cow! You have to have. I'd much right rather manage a deer than a migratory <laughs> oh, bird. Oh my gosh! Um, yeah. So once again, just th- the whole time you're hunting, make those observations. Put them in a journal. And put a plan in place. Uh, make the observation. Do deer, are there more deer on my property in September when acorns are falling? Or are there more deer on my property during January when I have a lot of woody browse, a lot of young forest, a lot of food available? Uh, when are the deer leaving my property? When are deer on my property? Let's find, okay, the deer aren't on my property much during this time of the year. Let's fix that. Let's find how to fix that let's use the podcast from last week with dr craig harper and say you know during the early part of season there's not a lot of deer but i have some oaks i don't know why they're not here well maybe they're not making a lot of acorns maybe we need to fix that let's Crown tree let's release let's Crown let's release, release those trees and 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 hopefully add some more food available uh for the deer 
Um, and, and I think that's that's important to know. Okay, from your observations and the stand, what's occurring. But then, if you stop seeing deer, you have to look outside of your property. You have to know what resources are around you in the greater neighborhood. Why was there a shift? Why was there a change? Identify that resource and then replicate it if you can on your property. And if you can't replicate it, then then utilize your property to uh, create something that will be a competitive resource at that same time. Or, or, I mean, deer, during the day, deer are going to bed down and they're going to feed. If your neighbor has all the food, then by golly, you get all the cover. Yeah. If your neighbor has all the crops, then you add all the bedding. I would much rather, by the way, have all the cover. I, I know, would too. I know we've done, we've done podcasts where we've talked about that, but I... I would much rather have the cover than all the food. And there's a lot of reasons, but I'm going to make one big observation for you to to chew on. During the time of the fall, when deer are the most susceptible, and let's just say when they're the dumbest, when they're thinking about breeding, when, they're, when, they're, when the rut is occurring, they're most likely going to be around cover. Yeah. And I would much rather have the cover when deer will use that the most when they're the dumbest. Therefore, the deer you may not want to shoot and you want to see reach an older age class, they're hidden on your property. Well, they're not running out through the neighbors, shooting lanes, getting whacked. In legal situations, everyone's hunting during daylight hours. And if yes. you have the deer on your property during daylight hours, hey, where the cover is, you have the best opportunity than anybody else around you to harvest those deer. Yes. Done. That's why I want cover. <laughs> I would rather have cover. Now, I would want all of it, but let's not be greedy. i just say yeah. I'd rather have cover if I had to be, if I if had, I had to choose. Yep. Um, also, put all this together. Make the plan. And land management should really involve, uh, involve a plan. You shouldn't just half-heartedly go out and randomly go and say, you know what, this afternoon I'm going to go hinge cut a half acre. You should have a plan in place. And the plan starts with hunting observations. Understand the way the deer are working on your property through the hunting season, when they're there, when they're not there, when you can hunt it, and then put the plan in place. That's what our business is about, is understanding what's occurring and putting the plan in place. Whether you work with us or not, put a plan in place to go, okay, this is what's missing this is how I can improve the habitat, not only for the deer, but other game and non-game species. How predators come into effect. How lack of habitat can be fixed. How to have these how, disturbances on your property. How to add habitat or improve the habitat to make my hunting better, not only for the deer, but for turkeys in the spring and rabbits in the fall. It comes down to understanding what's going on, and, and that all reflects on what you observe during hunting season. That's the biggest part of our conversation when we're consulting, but it also comes down to what you observe so we know what to do when we get there. Absolutely. It plays a large portion in the direction of of writing and developing a plan. Obviously, we we come on site, we, we can tell a lot, but that additional information helps to confirm what it is we're thinking in our head. And it's it's important. It's important to be observational so you just, you know what the heck is going on. And you, honestly, at that point too, 
you will understand the plan if we put it in place and develop one for you. You will understand why, though, those changes are happening and why we're saying you should do this. If you don't know what's happening with the property, then it won't all make sense. But when a lot of times, you know, when we're doing the follow-up conversation with someone, we're like, this is why we put this feature here versus this feature, and it makes sense because we're accessed like this, and they're like, oh, yeah, because I'm seeing that type exactly. It will complement what you're already doing and seeing. I think one thing I, I probably see a lot is in a lot of states, rifle season occurs, let's say, mid-hunting season. Yep. After rifle season, when a majority of hunters hit the woods, people lose their deer, and they don't know what happens. And winter hits and they're like, it's just not as many deer on my farm during late season. Unless I have the food source. I have standing grain, standing, standing soybeans, standing corn, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. How many times do people look at, l- l- before crops were occurring, what were deer eating during the winter months? I'll say this, the same thing they're eating on our farm. <laughs> they're same thing they're eating on our farm. There's a lot of woody browse uh, that goes into late winter yeah. forage. Yeah. And... We don't see that problem. In fact, we see the exact opposite. We get more deer on the property during the winter months than we do during they stack it during September. And every and we're surrounded by timber. To, we're surrounded by timber. So food gets very limited except for our place because we have a lot of these bedding thickets, this young forest, these logged the, areas. W- logged areas, woody browse. Fire. And and so that's something to account for. If you're in the northern states, Woody browse, late winter nutrition is a huge factor, not only for just holding deer on your property, but winter survival, trying to avoid massive winter kills. Down south, not technically as important, but still should be on your property. For our area, woody browse is definitely the key, one of the keys to late season success, not only for bedding, but also just keeping deer on the property during that late season hunting. And, and here's the thing, too, that a lot of people are, are interested in is like, okay, when the pressure hits, when, when that rifle season occurs, when most people are out there on the property, you know, and putting a lot of pressure on deer, where do they go? Like if you are seeing an influx of deer activity in and around rifle seasons, that should be an observation you're having because that should tell you that I have adequate cover on my place. Deer want to come to my property because I'm hunting it right. I have hunted it right throughout the season. And now I'm observing deer focusing their time and energy in and around my thicker areas because they do feel pressure. They do need a place for refuge and security. If you're not seeing that increase, that tells me and should tell you that there's better cover elsewhere. Yeah, for sure. So, this fall, this hunting season, get prioritize. Mind. Get your mind right. Get your mind right. Get your priorities right. Hunting season shouldn't cost you your marriage. Hunting season shouldn't cause conflict in your home. Use hunting season as a way to recharge your batteries, as a way to get your mindset, get your mind right, get your property plan in place so you can make the habitat better use it to your advantage use it in what it was designed to be a way to provide food for your family and a way to be a 
recharging for your soul. Yep. When the kids ask to go, take them. When your neighbor asks to go, take them. We're losing way too many hunters for us to get selfish and focus on on trying to just kill that one deer and and not think about anything else. And if you are if you understand and feel the way that we do about your time in the woods and what it does for you as a recharge, why do you want to not encourage other people to do the same and experience the same thing? If you're not offering those 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 opportunities, then you're not <laughs> encouraging people to draw closer and to experience the refreshing, the recharging that you get. <coughs> so it's important that we get other people outdoors and Absolutely. just in touch with creation and nature. Also, go check out our YouTube channel and please subscribe. Deer season will be here soon. You're going to see a lot of hunting videos and Ooh. a lot of videos being dropped. Um, we just dropped one this week. Uh, well, it'll be last week when you hear this podcast. Uh, planting into standing beans. We've got a lot of food plot strategy involved on our YouTube channel. So please go land and legacy with the and sign yep. and um, subscribe so you can help support us. Um, we are rapidly getting booked up for winter and spring so yes. if you guys want to reserve spots um or for inquire, consulting yeah for consulting please email us info at landlegacy.tv and we will get you on the books and and try and uh make that happen but man we're it's crazy how quickly that's getting booked yes. up but um anyhow extremely blessed thank you guys so much for listening for sure, and uh, we just had a review a recommendation come through on Facebook while recording this podcast. Much appreciated. You guys could help us if you enjoy this podcast. That's one of the many ways you can help support us. Um, use our online store. Right now, it's just landandlegacyapparel.com, and we've got various things on there. A lot of seed orders went through. Uh, yes. Getting ready. We've had a lot of uh, trail cameras ordered through that site. Uh, we're going to be adding more stuff in the future. So we appreciate you guys for all the support, and we will catch you next week. We'll see you guys. Yeah.